Welcome to episode six of the Closing Time Podcast. I'm Joe McGuire along with Abby Bro. You can check us out, closingtimepodcast.com. Make sure you like us on Instagram and on Facebook. Abby, uh, some some great news for us going forward. Uh, you know, we talked about this a little bit last week, New England Prestige Realty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 to have a, a second office and a, and a second broker right. uh, who is super cool. Did you get a chance to... Uh, to meet with her yet? Yeah, Alyssa and I, we had our meet, our first meeting. She's wonderful. She's really great. She's actually, this weekend, she is in Boston. She's at the um, Hartford Business Woman's event there. Um, pretty exciting about that. Um, she's she's smart. She's talented. She's hardworking. Um, and I'm so excited to be working with her. You know, her along with Sanam Salati, I love how much they're into the, the leadership stuff. Yeah. And... You know, as brokers, that's their job. Their job is to, you know, kind of keep us motivated, keep us focused. And, and it's exciting to uh, to have two people doing that because big news, the housing market is doing a lot better than people even thought it was going to do. Despite a real estate slowdown gripping some of the nation, this year's housing market is actually going to be busier. Economists uh, predicted this late last year and and more home sales higher prices are all on the way now this anticipated uptick in the activity is due to lower mortgage rates which we've been talking about right which of course makes homes more affordable for buyers uh the economic team expected rates to climb to 5.5 in 2019 instead they've hovered around four um it just can't seem to get up which yeah, is great. it I just it. It, it's you know economists are saying it's it's likely to rise a, a little to about four and a half, which is still really good. Yeah. Um, the downside for buyers, though, and the upside for sellers is that prices are expected to rise more than was originally forecast. Uh, uh, they said two point two percent. It's about two point nine percent. So it offsets it just a little bit. You're still making out, though. Yeah. Uh, The swelling ranks of buyers motivated by those lower mortgage rates will increase demand and therefore prices. Meanwhile, Realtor.com's economists predict the number of home sales will uh, stay steady, dipping to just 0.03%. They thought it would be falling by about 2%. So that's great news for the market right off the bat. That's very exciting. Yeah, perfect uh, timing for the spring as well, and it just keeps on getting better. Now, rates for home loans went up a little bit. Just mm-hmm. kind of a reminder that the easy money era for mortgages will have to end at some point. 30-year fixed rates averaged 4.2% during the April 25th week. That's according to Freddie Mac. Uh, that was up three basis points during the week. And the fourth straight weekly rise for the very popular product, the 15-year fixed rate averaged 3.64%, just a tick up from 3.62%. In March, supply of previously owned homes declined, so a little bit less inventory on the market. Mm. The specter of rising rates has prompted more Americans to apply for a mortgage. Applications actually hit a nine-year high just a couple of weeks ago, so... You've got more people interested in home buying. We're going to get into one of the big groups a little bit later on, Abby, that I think might surprise some people because it's kind of a weird group. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's a weird group. I think that um, it's weird a, and it's hard to understand. Under, yes. So trying to get into their heads. What do you want? You tell me. And sometimes they just don't know. 
Yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's very confusing, and we're gonna sink to, into that uh, in 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 just a little bit. I haven't. Well, I guess I did have a millennial buyer, and she was oddly specific in exactly where she wanted to live. So she narrowed it down. She, you know, what county, what town, what neighborhood, what, what street, lake what she lake. wanted to live oh, around. Oh, I had one of those too. Yeah. The lakefront property people. It's great. Yeah. It's lovely. like, well, as soon as one of these pop up, we'll go look at it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it was, it was oddly specific. Yeah. It had some issues. How long did she have to wait? Uh, Long story short, it was years, but yeah. if, when she finally decided that was the place, a uh, yeah. couple of months, we found, she actually, and she was great too, she found it, uh, saw an open house for it, went yeah. and called me up and she was like, hey, uh, can you write up an offer? There you go. I didn't sure actually, can. I didn't see that house yeah. until the home inspection. Really? Yes. <laughs> yes. That never happens. No, that is not typical. Uh, Interestingly enough, and you know, we we talk about technology, and of course, you know, if you're talking about millennials, you have to talk about technology. There's a Seattle-based escrow startup called Modus. Modus. Or Modus. 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 It's M O D U S. Yeah. You know, I don't know exactly what it is, but they figured out a way to make um, the escrow part of home transactions a little less antsy. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've launched a new Venmo-like earnest money tool. As a website uh, that says it eliminated the need for wire transfers and reduced the likelihood of buyers getting scammed during real estate transactions. Yeah, that's it's so great. I love the fact that they're being uh, protected. The buyers are being protected. The sellers are being protected. We're being protected. You know, um, yeah, this is great. The company said that it lets users securely submit funds to escrow, bringing convenience and peace of mind to real estate agents and their clients during yeah. home closing. Uh, the company also believes that by cutting out wire transfers, it creates a more secure process that's less susceptible to fraud. And who doesn't appreciate less susceptibility to fraud? Right. I'm never, I'm never comfortable, <clears throat> you know, with the checks and all that. Oh my I god! Like to get it out of my hands as quick as humanly possible. In your hot little hand. Yeah, yeah. Drive it right over, hand it over to oh, the broker. Oh man! I know it's it's a little nerve wracking. You know, whether it's $1,000 or $20,000, you want it out of your hands and into the account as soon as possible. And also um, to the sellers, you know, if they're not in town, if they're not in the state, you got to send it right over. And then some realtors, you know, there's two different thoughts, I guess. Um, Some of them I noticed change um, the status on the MLS right away once you have the signed contract. Some wait until the deposit is taken and put into the account, which could be two or three days later, you know? So, and and then there might be a little disagreement over that. So this, there's no guessing, there's no, you know, it's done instantly. Anything to tighten up the process. Tighten it up. Is, I think, just a great idea. Because time kills all deals. You want no room for error. Just that get is, it done. That is, you know what? Yeah. That might be yeah. the best thing anybody says on this podcast today. <laughs> no joke. No oh, joke. Oh, you're so sweet. Um, the economy doing pretty all right. Connecticut, though, the job picture this past week, some good, some bad. Mm. Uh, the State Department of Labor announced its previously stated 400 job losses during the month of February was revised upward to a gain of 400 jobs, which is 
it's a big mess. Yeah. Uh, despite that bit of news, though, we are dampened by the state shedding another 1,300 jobs in March. The mm. unemployment rate here in Connecticut is up to 3.9%, having previously been 38 The DOL said private sector lost 1,100 net jobs in March, while the government sector, including all federal, state, and local employment, dropped another 200 jobs. Now, Connecticut still has more than 1.6 million seasonally adjusted jobs. Uh, the declines were led by construction and mining with a job loss of 900, which is weird because, and we'll get to this in a little bit, new construction is up. Mm. So, Well, I think because it was so stagnant for a while that it could only go up from there. Get this. This is a, another little bit of good news on Connecticut's economy. We, we've recovered 80.3%, so about 96,600 of the 120,300 jobs that were lost during the Great Recession of 2008 to 2010. Mm. So some good news, yeah. some bad news. All in all, it, it seems like, and you know, on one of my other podcasts, Abby, you know, we've had a chance to talk to a lot of politicians in Hartford. And I will say this, you know, as far as politics are concerned, there's never been a wider divide. But from what I've been understanding from, from both sides, Governor Lamont is very open to ideas and talking, and he doesn't care who it's with. Okay. So I think for, for from a political angle, and I'm not a huge Lamont fan, I thought that was really encouraging news that, and again, it's Republicans and Democrats who I've spoken to were like, the guy wants to listen and he wants to do the right thing. Right. So- and Something I to be hopeful about. That's why we're hearing all of these ideas right now. Some of them may seem insane, you know, for, for taxing and whatnot, but he's throwing them out there to see what actually might work. Now, Governor Lamont recently announced a debt diet that could affect state borrowing. And they've got all these Hartford rail line projects. Uh, one of them worth about $430 million dollars. Uh, this particular project along the Hartford rail line uh, encompasses 1,400 residential units, 242,000 square feet of commercial and office space. Um, you, you know, they're doing some great stuff. Nine Hartford line stations in operation. You and I were talking about mm -hmm. in, in Weathersfield. You know, they're building yep. a whole mixed unit development. And the whole draw is they're looking to get in millennials. They're yeah. looking to bring in the young people, give them the rail line to Hartford. New Haven. New everything. Haven and, and all beyond. points beyond. Yeah. yeah. And beyond. Yeah. My dad worked for Metro North, so I do know some of the slang for the railroad people. <laughs> do they but actually say and beyond? They sure do. Oh, that was like, I thought yeah. that was like a Disney thing. Like, I, Oh, no. <laughs> That's where it came I from. That it's, was like Toy it's Story. It's the real deal. Oh, hilarious. Um, that's great. And I love it because I actually have some clients that have condos along the, the rail. And I think this is going to be great for their um, when they sell in the future. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, you know, it, it's definitely good for home value. And I, you know, like I said, this one in Weathersfield, I mean, they're really looking to get like the millennials of, of the future. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like people looking yeah. to like make the move, you know, people right. who want to live like on the in the suburb of Hartford. Yeah. You know, to have that rail line to be right downtown it'll kind of revitalize the whole Silas Dean area. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of that's a whole obviously commercial run. They could definitely use, uh, uh, you know, just a whole new influx of, of people with money. Money. Yeah. Who don't want to drive for some reason. <laughs> for some reason. Yes. <laughs> 
My daughter's had a car. No joke. Yeah. A car for eight months. Really? How old is your daughter? She's seven. No, she's 18. She and just turned 18. This is your oldest daughter. My oldest daughter. Yeah. Yeah. 18. I think I was driving at like 15 and a half, right? Yeah. Um, whenever I could get behind the wheel, I did. That's so crazy. They don't want to drive. I don't know what it is. You I didn't what? believe it, it at is, first. It's expensive and it's a liability. And you know what? If um, it, it also kind of hurts the environment. These are the same people who don't like to eat cereal because they don't want to clean up the bowls and the spoon. <laughs> I don't know anything about that. Yeah. That seems something that's why, that... <laughs> that's why they're making the the little one, you know, where you, you buy the cereal and you just rip the top off. That's always been a thing. No. Yes, well, it's it has. A, it's a there. It's a bigger thing now. Oh, okay. I read this. Yeah, I don't I, know. It has to be true. It was on the internet. I'm not feeling this conversation. <laughs> I don't think that's true. But <laughs> yeah. Um. But uh, I think that the new rail is great. It's it's great all around. So uh, <laughs> let's take a look at the real estate police blotter, if you will. Uh, a real estate developer and friend of former Connecticut Governor John Rowland pled guilty in connection with fraud schemes this past week. Robert Matthews of Palm Beach, Florida, pleaded guilty in Bridgeport Federal Court to conspiracy, money laundering, tax evasion, uh, all related to multiple schemes to defraud foreign investors and financial institutions. Uh, his wife also pleaded guilty to tax evasion. Matthews helped Roland lease and sell his Washington, D.C. condo at inflated prices. John Roland will definitely be remembered for being a governor of Connecticut mm -hmm. for all of the wrong reasons, unfortunately. Uh, officials said Robert Matthews was a real estate developer in charge of the Palm House Hotel, a property he sought to develop in Palm Beach. You know, it, it's unfortunate that, you know, and it's like this really, Abby, in any industry that there's going to be people like this, people who just, you know, you just sort of can't be satisfied. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not enough to make a ton of money. I could scam more people and make even more money. Right. You know, and, and it's unfortunate because if you think about what it is that we do every day with our clients, it's build trust. Trust. Yep. And when you see that, you know, a friend of the governor's. <laughs> was working with the governor to defraud people it it makes you wonder who you can trust right and i think in in a lot of in a lot of ways that leads people to the wrong agent for them right and also not only um with in this kind of an issue but there are so many ways that you can be frauded and lose a lot of money during the real estate transaction so whether that be wire fraud um like we talked about Last week with the agent that was just a weird person that took people's money. I, that was really weird. Yeah. And right. then, like just showing people's homes and be like, okay, give me cash now. That's strange. Um, and then also now um, I've heard that after the home buyer closes on the home, they move into the home, they get a, um, a letter from somebody frauding them saying that they need to pay money for to the title company. And during your closing costs, money, you know, goes to the title company as part of your closing costs. But this is something different that they're demanding payment and it's completely illegal, completely fraud. So that's why you need to align yourself with a real estate professional that you can be trusted like Joe and I. Oh, 100 yeah. percent. And, and this is what has always been important with me, with my clients is educating them on 
how the whole process works. And, right. You know, I already sent that form to the mortgage guy twice. Why do I have to send it again? Yeah. Why you know? am I getting this link where I have to fill out my social security information? It, Don't do that. <laughs> it's important to, you know, I mean, one of the things I always tell my clients, obviously, we all do this, you know, don't make any large purchases. No. You know, or don't move any large amounts of money around uh, without a gift letter. Or and small happens, amounts. <laughs> and it happens anyway. Yeah. And and ultimately, I always, I, here's what I'm always told by my client. And I, I love my clients, but it's like, oh, I, uh, yeah, I just wasn't thinking about it. Or I didn't think it was that much that it would be that big of a deal. And it's like, yeah. It's like one of the eight things I told you right off the yeah. bat. Yeah. I had a client buy a new iPhone. And they had to open up a new credit card, like a Best Buy credit card. And they're like, oh, it's just a phone. Yeah, it is just a phone. But that's a $900 phone. (laughs) You know? My all-time favorite was I had a client. Her name was Lisa. She's still a good friend of mine. Uh, Her and her husband are wonderful people. Uh, She called me up about (laughs) a week out of what would have been the closing. And she said, is it all right if I buy a diamond? Um, no. <laughs> well, yes, you can buy a diamond. And but... <laughs> uh, I said, like, a ring? And she was like, oh, I'll explain it to you. And I was <laughs> like, no. The answer is no. Just no. Yeah. Can you just wait on the diamond? Just don't <laughs> buy the diamond. What happened? She didn't buy the diamond. Oh, good. And then they ended up not closing anyway, but for other reasons. Oh, wow. Yeah. What a sad story. It is a sad story, but oh. the point is... Don't buy a diamond. Don't buy a diamond. Not in the middle of the transaction. Uh, Another lawsuit, Seattle-based Zillow filed two lawsuits against real estate rival Compass, alleging that the SoftBank-backed high-tech brokerage stole Zillow intellectual property and poached its employees who violated non-compete agreements. The suits allege that Compass hired three Zillow employees who previously signed contracts with a 12-month non-compete and non-disclosure clause. Zillow also accused the employees of stealing trade secrets and confidential info, such as customer lists, sales data, and highly technical information before they left Compass. I, that yeah. is, uh, you know, come on. You got to have some integrity. It, it's It's so hard when you're dealing in technology and mm-hmm. and you come across NDAs and things like that and you you just you can't do it no there, there's a you oh, have to have a certain level of integrity right right I, I, it it's a it's a real shame again you know i i would say the majority of people in our business are fine people just good fine people you know mm-hmm. and then there's stuff like this and it's just Ruins it for everybody. Well, technology is interesting because, um, you know, a lot of it is evolving so quickly that it is possible that, it, you know, there may be different parts of the tech or the, the scripts or whatever it is they're doing that is completely different. But it's so similar, perhaps. That- Non-compete clauses are and have generally, when challenged, been found to be illegal. Yeah. When, when you, if, especially if you fire an employee... And and have some sort of non compete with a rival know, company. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, it's it's a big thing. They generally lose them in court because you basically can't you can't you can't stop somebody from earning a living. Yeah. If that's the industry that you're in, your options are limited pretty much to those companies. And mm-hmm. if it's a direct rival of the company you work for, 
it's not really fair to you if that company no longer requires your services that you should not be able to compete. Right. So I've never been really overly comfortable with that. But, mm. uh, shame, shame, shame. Hopefully, though, it keeps them updating the tech, creating better ways for people to buy and sell real estate. Now, I mentioned earlier about the job losses in construction here in Connecticut and then mentioned this story coming up. Uh, Connecticut permits for new housing rose in March. Yay. It's gone up month to month from a year earlier. There were 401 permits granted last month, up from 301 in February uh, in 104 communities that the U.S. Census Bureau regularly samples. Uh, in March 2018, 285 home building permits were issued. Uh Multifamily construction continues to dominate the state's new housing scene through the first quarter. Statewide housing permits totaled 899. That's down from 1,034 issued in the first quarter of 2018. Mm. So, again, kind of weird that you would be seeing less construction, less construction jobs. All the while, they're doing more construction. And I also <laughs> find it interesting that that multifamily seems to be where it's at. You know, I know like North Haven, for instance, there are none. They no. Don't, they don't allow two family homes at all. So right. I wonder what the new construction seems like in North Haven these days. Yeah, no, not very good. Yeah. Um, but there are. I mean, there's a lot of new luxury condos going in the shoreline. Um, I know in Cheshire, there's a huge new development, a couple new developments. Um yeah, it's it's really awesome. And then I think we talked about it a couple podcasts ago. A lot more people are wanting new construction. So and new construction and is really well, and that's that's really ultimately what it yeah. is. It's it, this is the ultimate supply and demand business that we are in. Right. Uh, here's a great deal for anybody in the real estate market, Abby. The mm -hmm. only thing is you have to move to Ohio. The <laughs> opening bid on this house is one dollar. So not surprisingly, the Single buck sensation is this week's most popular yeah. home at Realtor.com. It yep. was built in 1973. It's on five acres that back up to Glacier Ridge Park. The four-bedroom home was being sold as is. It includes hardwood floors throughout and a full basement. And while it probably wind up selling for more than just some pocket change. Funny thing about buying a house that's roughly the same price as a cheeseburger. <laughs> yeah, I've actually seen this a lot. Um, there's actually a house in Hartford. I think it's on the market for like $5,000. Uh, right now, I've had a couple people ask me about that. Um, that's where it starts at. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's just the way it's a gimmick. I mean, obviously, now this is the number one, you know, house on the market right now. Um, but mission accomplished. Mission, right. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just a way to get the house sold. You know, there are a lot of different ways of doing that. Are you a big fan of gimmicks? Um, I haven't used them. Um, I guess it all depends on your sellers. I mean, you're there to market for your sellers. And, you you know, if it's something that they're interested in, then I'm going to totally do it. You know? ClosingTimePodcast.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you got a gimmick or something kind of gimmicky that's worked for you, I'd be curious to know what it is. Mm, I saw one sign. Oh, I don't think we should talk about it, but <laughs> <laughs> a real scam, huh? Well, it was it was the realtor. Um, she was uh, advertising her open house, so she put all her little signs out. Um, they say that you should actually have thirteen signs. That's an average, right? 13. Oh wow! And it's, it takes a long time to put those thirteen signs out, and sometimes you have to like walk underneath like overpasses and stuff. And anyway, um, so one of her signs was a little gimmicky. It actually um, said, "Come inside me." No. It did. 
Come on. That's yep. hilarious. It, wow. So is that, is that, what well, you know, what are you advertising there? Yeah, what are you advertising there? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Not so much. Wow. <laughs> that is insane. <laughs> you are red right Come now. Come on. I, did she not know that? Was, no, she that knew not, it. Oh, she come on. Knew it. Um, I'm I'm wondering though, you know, if you're a seller and you saw that sign, what would you think? I uh, there's a lot of factors involved here. Are we being I, prude? I don't know. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Yeah. Last week we were talking about that raunchy, raunchy uh, yeah. X-rated video in Australia. And then is it it's the house talking in the side? <laughs> I just want to know. <laughs> wow. Yeah. All right. Uh, a new study came out by the National Association of Realtors, and it ranked metro areas by share of arrivals among millennials. This study is an analysis of the 100 largest metro areas uh, based on the U.S. Census Bureau's 2017 American Community Survey, which track households with an age range of 19 to 37. This is a surprising list, and you'll see why. Here's the top 10 spots. Uh, number 10, Chapel Hill, North Carolina, which is a beautiful area. It's where Duke University I is. I love it. North uh, yeah. University of North Carolina. Great area. I it's get gorgeous. it. gorgeous, yeah. Coming in at number nine, Los Angeles, which seems like it would make sense. Just yeah. Disney stars alone. There's all the millennials you'll ever need all <laughs> moving into L.A. Number eight, beautiful Honolulu, Hawaii. Mm. I get it. Could you imagine? Number seven, Seattle, Washington. Yep. Yeah, I could see that, too. Makes a ton of sense. Mm -hmm. Number six, Tacoma, Washington. Sure. Number five, Richmond, Virginia. Yes. Uh, historic, beautiful Richmond. Great music. Oh, yeah. Coming in at number four, Syracuse, New York. Mm, okay. It's a little... Okay. It's a, it's, an, it's a little bit of an unusual one for me, I would have thought, but mm -hmm. I suppose everybody living up in northern New York has to go somewhere cool. Syracuse must be the place. There you go. Number three, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Yes, it is gorgeous. That's yes. a great place. That is a fantastic place. Number two, I this one surprised me quite a bit, but not anywhere near the number one answer. Mm -hmm. Madison, Wisconsin. I got nothing. Yeah. I don't know what's even in Madison that any millennia would want to be a part of. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm assuming this is just people moving from the sticks, mm. just further away from sticks. That's got to be my guess. The number one destination for millennials in the United States is the New Haven, Milford area. 75% of the people moving into those areas are millennials. Wow. 75%. That is tops in the country. Wow. That's great. You know why? Because it's great. It's great. It is great. I, you know, I love Milford. I love New Haven. I love that whole like area over there. There's so much to do. That's and I think that's what it is. Yeah. I, I think especially with New Haven, and I think you make the argument with Milford too. When you have like a nice, like a downtown area, a green and and just where you can kind of the water, it, it oyster really festivals does music. make such a difference. Oh, there's so much. Yeah. There's so much art and there's so many events in those towns that it, it just makes sense that that's where they were. And a be lot heading. of industry as well. Sikorsky, um, Subway. What else is there? I mean, obviously Yale. Um, obviously Yale. Yeah. All the great pizza in New Haven. And I know millennials <laughs> love pizza <laughs> because, again, there's no cleanup. You right. eat the pizza and you just walk away. You walk away. It's a, on. it's a good relationship with the food. Um, but there's so much um, in terms of housing that's been going on in New Haven. Um, 
yeah, that that completely makes sense. My best deal ever happened in Milford. Really? I always love Milford for that. Yeah. Mine was uh, I double ended on Orange Street. Oh, nice. A beautiful Victorian. I sold a house on the water that was listed at two sixty mm-hmm. and small and not in great shape. I got it for two hundred thousand. Really? Yes. Wow. Got lucky. Got lucky. I just wanted to move really bad. My yeah, my first deal was in Milford, right on the water on Cooper, right in Silver Sands. It's a nice area. Yeah. Love Milford. I know. Milford, New Haven, making us all proud here in Connecticut. So if if you've got millennial buyers and you're not sure where to take them, might be a good place to start. Yeah. Uh, another really great celebrity home here in Connecticut, the great Paul Simon and his wife, Edie Brickell, have listed their 32-acre New Canaan, Connecticut home for $13.9 million. That is 16% less than the purchase price. Back in 2002, taking a bath. Mm. I wonder if they've done any updates. Probably not going to see that ever. Yeah. <laughs> see that money back ever. <laughs> uh, this cottage-inspired uh, interiors are beautifully updated. Oh, so, there yes, you go. Yes, they have. <laughs> they've got a modern sensibility that honors the home's original architectural charm. Mm. The Georgian-style estate was designed by Harold Reed Sleeper and built in 1938. It's got a whitewashed brick exterior framed by overgrown lush greenery. The Beautiful. home sits at the crest of the 32 acres of land mm. overlooking the property's rolling hills and meadows. In the backyard, there's a pond, a terrace pool surrounds the main house. Former walled gardens and courtyards lead to a 2,400-square-foot cottage. Mm. The cottage, huh? Yeah, right. Which is complete with a garage and could easily be transformed into a guest house. Uh, I don't know where Paul and Edie are going. <clears throat> Sad to see them leave if, if that's uh, if that be the case. Yeah. Maybe they're heading to Florida. I feel like from that description, it would be worth a lot more than just under 14 mil. Well, what's the market? Yeah. Although I guess it's New Canaan. I'm well, sure New there's... Well, New Canaan, a lot of things, it's slow moving in New Canaan from my experience. Um, well, because you'd have to find the right buyer and that might take a little time. Yeah. Um. But yeah, sounds great. You know what? If there's any buyers out there that want to take a look, give me a call. Absolutely, yeah, right? Wouldn't I'd it love be to nice take a look to, at that. Uh, I, I can only imagine. I love Paul Simon uh, a lot. I would think that would be one of the coolest houses ever yeah. to see. But. Do you think they would play his music during open houses? It's got to be. Yeah. I, I mean, right? You're not, playing, a... you're not playing Edie Brickell and a new Bohemian. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Um. You know, we, we've talked about politics on this show a few times, and, and uh, you definitely try not to tip your hand too much. Sometimes maybe I can't help myself. I do a lot of the, uh-huh, yeah. For anybody who's wondered kind of <laughs> where your money goes as far as the political action part of what we do here, there is an event coming up on May 3rd, the guest speaker being Kevin Sears, uh, who's the member involvement liaison from Springfield, Massachusetts. Uh, also, Marilyn Lusher, an NAR major investor council member, uh, amongst several others, including Abby Christ, the CTR manager of political and professional programs. Uh, the Political Advocacy Fund promotes the realtor position to the general public and helps to influence government decision makers. Going to have a fun night out again Friday, May 3rd at GHAR headquarters from 530 until 8 o'clock. You have to register by April 26th. It is open to the public, which is also really cool. $15 ticket purchase. 
and, and the investment in the political action fund. So if you're interested in a fun night out, you got a chance to win an uh, iPod Air for fifteen dollars. You come out, there's margaritas, Mexican beers, tacos, yeah, lockbox raffle. Great. Uh, beautiful photographs printed on canvas, ready for auction. It's gonna be a fun night. Come on out. There's gonna be an Instagram booth. You love you love Instagram. <laughs> yeah, I guess. And food and cocktails. Food and yeah. What else do you need? <laughs> Right? Right. Jihar will transform their lobby into a fiesta to support and protect legislative real estate issues that are important to your business. So uh, if you are interested, again, you can check out the Jihar website. Yeah. What I like about this is that you you get the information straight from the source rather than from us. (laughs) Yes, because we think we know what we're talking about. We haven't talked to any of those folks. Yeah. You know, I'm definitely going to go to that because I am super interested. Oh, we're totally going. In what is happening with the Greater Hartford Association of Realtors, and especially Mm -hmm. when it comes to politics. We did talk before how uh, the Connecticut Realtors Association did put their eggs in the losing candidate's basket, Mm -hmm. which was an interesting move. And uh, one that almost came back to bite us pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Um but so far, it's been staved off. So again, much credit to the Connecticut Association of Realtors. Yeah. <laughs> so fun event. Make sure you come check that out. Most definitely. Yeah. Um, so Joe, I know this isn't part of what we're going to talk about today, but I was hoping maybe we could talk about a little bit about some volunteering, perhaps, that you've been doing. I have had the pleasure of working for one of the coolest groups around. It's called For Goodness Sake. They just recently moved from uh, Bristol to Plainville. And you got to check out the website. It's forgoodnesssake.org. We basically get donations from people. So uh, decent, slightly used furniture. Obviously, if your cat's gone to town on it, we we don't want it. Yeah. we deal with agencies all throughout the state. You know, sometimes it's women coming from domestic violence. Sometimes it's prisoners being released from jail. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, people getting out of meth clinics. It, it, it's a wide variety of people who were homeless and they're coming back into yeah. uh, housing. And and one of the things that we found was people didn't want to leave shelters because going to a nice little apartment didn't have any furniture mm-hmm. and they couldn't afford it. And so uh, it, this is a uh, 100% volunteer-based organization. It, it completely depends on uh, donations for everything. Connecticut Mattress, got to give a shout-out to them. They donate 90 mattresses a quarter. Wow. We only give out new mattresses. Good. Um, it's just one of those things. Right, right, you right. Know? And, and we've seen people just dissolve into tears mm-hmm. at the idea that they're getting a brand-new, never-been-used yeah. mat. I mean, it, it, it's... One of the things that we try to do at For Goodness Sake is to give these people a sense of dignity. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had this warehouse, it's, and it's basically set up like it's a like a retail shop. You walk through. There's other organizations that are similar to what we do, but you basically give them a list. I need a lamp, a desk, and a chair, and they bring you whatever they have in the lamp, desk, and chair department. We allow you to shop. We also uh, accept donations of art. And, and different decor for the home. So Anything to make it a home, right? Yeah, you know, it's, it's not just a lamp and a chair and a table. Maybe it's, um, you know, a picture. Towels. Or, 
Yeah, you know, yeah. we we do, you know, and you also get a little goodie like welcome home kit with um, uh, laundry detergent, soap, shampoos, you know, everything. And and it, it's such a great organization. Like I said, it's all volunteer based. Um, I threw my back out uh, last week, so I don't know when I'll be able to get back in there to, to, to donate my time, but I've done a lot to try to get their message out. My wife and I actually held uh, last year in Weathersfield, a big furniture drive. Right. The town was really great in cooperating. We ended up having to get a second truck. That's awesome. Um, and then later that night after we dropped everything off, went back into uh, a couple of homes uh, right on the edge of Weathersfield in Newington, where uh, a, a really wonderful guy, uh, after vetting us for about 20 minutes, gave us this unbelievable bedroom set. And he kept saying to us, this isn't going to end up on the Internet, is it? <laughs> and we were like, no, sir. Oh, like you would resell it? Yes. That's oh, what he was concerned okay. about. We don't resell. and We never charge anybody. Yeah. Um, that's just not the way we work. And, and, uh, it's a great organization. If you're interested in volunteering, I, I promise you this, mm -hmm. you will definitely cry on your first day. I'm crying right now because, and I did, and, and I'll, and I'll never forget it. I went home to tell my wife about it and I was, you know, I, I, I it, it was a guy who, um, it must've been about 45, 50 years old and, and, uh, I got him with the mattress. He got the new mattress and he lost Aww. it. But he was yeah. like, you know, it, it really struck him the amount of dignity he had going to this place, uh, you know, to kind of restart his life because it's it sucks. Mm. It sucks. You know, people make mistakes. People go through things. You know, again, we deal with so many different agencies that, you know, they're there for a variety of reasons. And it's never the same reason twice, it almost seems like. But but to be able to make a difference like that in people's lives is has been, uh, it, it, I mean, it's it, it's beautiful. Right. You know, it's funny. Uh, we, we bring the furniture to your house and we'll stack it up outside and you need to have people there to help you bring it upstairs. We, we just, we can't, we, it'll bog us down way too much. We, we do five families every weekend and... In order to be able to deliver that and not be out literally the entire day, we just bring it curbside. And so we went and delivered some furniture, and uh, the next delivery literally was right around the corner. And uh, my buddy John and I went over, and we started to unload the furniture. And the woman came out, and um, uh, I think her boyfriend and a couple of his buddies came over. And she said, hey, listen, she goes, the girl that you just dropped off to, she doesn't have anybody. Mm. And she's trying to do it all by herself. And I'll tell you what, John and I are big dudes. Mm -hmm. It wasn't easy work. I have no idea how she was going to do it, but John and I went back over. Good. And you took care of it. Good. You have to. Yeah. You know, so the le is... least we could do. Again, you're making a difference in somebody's life. You know, I'm one of those people, you know how political I am, and I'm a very opinionated yes. person. And I always try to put my money where my mouth is. I've had all my kids come down and volunteer there. My mm -hmm. wife is actually now on the board of directors. Uh, at for goodness sake, that's great. And you know, it just it means a lot. And and you know, like I said, if I'm gonna call people onto the carpet to like step up and and do their thing, I I gotta lead by example. And it's uh, yeah, no better organization. If they're open Saturdays and Sundays, for goodness sake dot org. Go check them out. Uh, even if you want to just come volunteer for a few hours, it's uh, it's good work. You know, I really feel that finding or helping finding someone a home is such um, a rewarding job and 
it's because everybody needs a home and no matter what your circumstances. So I feel like, you know, what you're doing is just amazing. So thank you so much. Well, you know, you actually just reminded, we've actually worked with a few real estate agents Mm -hmm. who, you know, sometimes you get a house that needs to be listed. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's an estate kind of a situation where like, we're going to get this stuff out. Exactly. Call for goodness sake. We will come there and we will take it. You will not. That is amazing. Take it all out of there for you. Wow. Absolutely. That's a great service. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm sure that a lot of people have a lot of need for that. Um, and what I feel is that, you know, having this job, um, we're actually able to, to give back and it's one of the best things we can do, um, for the community that we serve. So I would love to hear what other realtors do to give back. Closingtimepodcast.com is the website. You can also hit us up on Instagram and Facebook. Again, kind of let us know what you're into and Always glad to give charities plugs on on our podcast. So if there's one you're working with and it's doing good work in the community, please, by all means, we'd love for you to share it with us. Great. Well, that has been episode six of the Closing Time podcast. If you are unrepresented and you want to buy a house or sell one, give Abby and I a call. Yeah. Otherwise, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week on the Closing Time podcast.